Well, welcome. We're really glad to be together here. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. If it's the first time that you are with us today, I want you to know, we're really glad. We're really glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, we're a local assembly of believers who have gathered together for the purpose of worshiping Jesus Christ. And I hope that you, by being our guest here today, are very encouraged as you see a local family of God worshiping him. We've been utilizing these Grace Transforms journals, and I wanna encourage you to utilize it also. I've been using this every day. My family uses it at mealtime. It's been really fun to hear the questions that my kids ask as we're going through these journals. This, this journal was written by you. It was written by the family here at Big Valley Grace Community Church. You can download it for free right on the front page of our website if you don't have a physical copy. Also on our online campus is putting out resources every day that go right along with this journal, and I want you to encourage you to utilize them. The whole reason why we've done the journal, why we're doing all the resources online, it is to help you. It is to be of assistance to you as you are walking with Jesus Christ, that you might grow in your faith and your knowledge uh, of the grace of God. And so please, utilize the journals. We'd love to, uh, I would love to encourage you to be a part of a life group. My life group has been going through this also. We meet once a week. I'd love to see a life group on mission in your neighborhood. That in your neighborhood, there'd be a group of people who are partnering together to reach people for Jesus Christ. I'd love to see that happen this uh, week. I heard of one family, they threw a pizza party just to get to know their, neighborhood, their neighbors this last week. You know, build bridges of communication that the gospel can walk across. And pizza and food's a great way to do that, to share a meal with people. One uh, person I talked to this last week became the neighborhood watch leader in their neighborhood, and the only reason they did it was so that they could build relationship with their neighbors. It's just, an, it's just using some strategy, and I would encourage you to think like that. What are some ways that you can uh, open up conversations with your neighbors and see what God might do? If you have some stories you wanna share about uh, how you've been influenced or how God is using you to influence, we have an email that's set up called salt at bvg.org, and you can send your stories there. We'd love to hear and we'd love to share with you uh, in what God is doing, either someone being an influence to you, being salt to you, or you being salt in your, in your world. So I'd encourage you to take advantage of that. We're in a series called Grace Transforms. It's 12 weeks long. We're looking at two weeks here on influence, and we're continuing looking at influence today. I wanna go over a few basics before we begin. We're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Really, we're looking at verses nine and 10. So if you wanna take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can. We'll start in verse three, but we're really gonna be looking at two verses, verses nine and 10. The name of our church. The name of our church is Big Valley Grace Community Church. If I were to put that in a sentence, I'd say we wanna reach this big central valley with the grace of Jesus Christ in community with his church. That's what we wanna do. That's why our name is what it is. We wanna reach this big central valley with the grace of Jesus Christ in community with his church. Last week we looked at you are the salt of the earth. I would maybe put it this way. Uh, we looked at you're the salt of your family also last week. I'd put it this way. You're the salt of the central valley. You're the salt of the Central Valley. The purpose of our church is to bring glory to God. We exist to bring glory to God. I wanna illustrate that here for a moment. Uh, when I was in college, it was a few days ago, uh, I took a class, watercolors, believe it or not. It was pretty awesome. I took a class on watercolors and there was actually a professor of watercolor, pretty cool. And I take this class and I found out something pretty interesting and that is when you take salt and put it into a watercolor, 
the salt causes the pigment and the water to have some pretty amazing reactions. And that is what is shown on the screen right here. That is colors of watercolor on parchment with salt placed on it. And the salt causes all these reactions. It absorbs the water, it absorbs the pigment, it creates all these reactions. I want you to imagine there's an enormous salt shaker. And on the side of the salt shaker, it says Big Valley Grace Community Church. And God picks up this enormous salt shaker. Let's put up the picture of the valley. And God takes that enormous salt shaker and he's salt shaking all over the valley. And he's spreading out his salt all over the valley. And everywhere there's a granule of salt, and that's a person who's following Jesus, there's a reaction that's happening for the glory of God. Everywhere you go as a granule of salt for Jesus, you're creating a reaction for the glory of God. Little reactions all over the place for the glory of God. We're the salt of the valley. Our mission is love God, love people, make disciples. I did an entire message on this at the end of our Gospel of Matthew series if you wanna check that out. But what I wanna point out right now is this idea of making disciples. So God calls us salt, we're the salt of the earth, but he also asks us to be a part of the process of making disciples. So as new salt is being created, I want you to imagine that as God is making salt, because God's the one who does it, as God's making salt, he's mixing salt into the process of making more salt. And he wants us to be a part of that. He's inviting us to be a part of the disciple-making process as God's making salt. He's mixing salt in. So if we take our name and our purpose and our mission and we were to point it in a direction, that's where we get when we talk about vision. Vision is about setting direction. And if we were to take our name and our purpose and our mission and we were pointing it in the direction of your actual neighborhood, the vision would sound like this, that you would love your actual neighborhood. What does that mean? This means every member of the body of Christ being led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, evangelizing and discipling our actual neighbors and leading them to do the same. Every member of the body of Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ if you believe. We've spent two weeks looking at believe. Being led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. When you're led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you're gonna become an incredible influence to everyone who's around you and that's what we're looking at right now. These two weeks looking at influence. So in other words, we wanna see some salty neighborhoods. We wanna see some salty neighborhoods. The grace of God at work in our lives and through our lives to create incredible reactions for the glory of God all around us. So grace transforms residents of earth into citizens of heaven. The Bible calls us citizens of heaven. Grace transforms residents of earth into citizens of heaven who influence for Jesus Christ. And now this passage we're looking at is a picture of how the grace of God transformed a man's life. Massive transformation. And that is the Apostle Paul. And God transformed Paul's life to be an influencer for Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pick it up in verse three, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're gonna camp out today though in verses nine and 10. But for the context, we need to start in verse three. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in in accordance with the scriptures. In other words, he's saying, this is the most important stuff. It's right here. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in the accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some had fallen asleep. So at the time of this writing, there were many people who had witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ, though some had died at that time. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. 
And then verse 9 and 10 is where we're going to be. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. What an incredible picture of the grace of God transforming a person's life. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God, God transforms Paul's life and he becomes an incredible influencer for Jesus Christ. So what we're gonna look at from verses nine and 10 are three things, three ways to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and to increase my influence for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saves and the Holy Spirit of God applies that salvation to our life and the clear uh, instruction in scripture is that we would walk by the power of the Holy Spirit and we'd be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit and we would operate under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Three ways to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and increase my influence for Jesus Christ. Way number one is repent of my sin. Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse eight, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. It is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God that the Holy Spirit of God would convict us of our sin. And when the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of our sin, we are to respond to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives that we would repent of our sin. We see this in verse nine in our text. We see this happening in Paul's life. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said he persecuted at the beginning of Acts chapter eight. You can see that Saul was there when the first martyr happened in the church, Stephen being stoned to death. And it says that Saul, who was Paul, that's that his name changed, Saul gave approval and then right after that, great persecution arose in the church. We get to chapter nine in the book of Acts and it says that Saul is breathing threats and he's breathing murder to the people of God and that he's going house to house and he's bringing them bound to Jerusalem. He is actively working against God and he is actively persecuting the people of God. That is who Saul is. He says, I persecuted. Well, as he's in the middle of persecuting, Saul has an experience on the road to Damascus. He has a light from heaven blind him. And he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he can't see and he doesn't know who's talking. So he says, who are you? Who's speaking to me? Who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Cut it out. <laughs> you're persecuting me. I'm Jesus who you're persecuting, this experience, the grace of God literally ripping Saul out of his sin. The grace of God coming after him. He's going the opposite direction of God, going against God, and the grace of God comes and grips his life and rescues him. He says, I'm the least. I'm the least, I'm the least. And it's understandable why he would think that, because he persecuted the church of God, but that's not what God called him. God didn't call him the least, because in that same chapter, in the book of Acts, God says, you are my chosen instrument. Hand-selected, hand-picked. You are my chosen instrument. And by the way, I'm gonna show you how much you must suffer for my name. You've caused everyone else to suffer for my name. I'm gonna show you how much you must suffer for my name. You're my chosen instrument. He says, I'm unworthy. And you may feel like that. You may have had some stuff you did that was gnarly and nasty. 
You may got a past you want to forget and you want to hide and you have shame involved in it and you may go, hey, I'm unworthy. Look what Jesus says to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. My grace gets the job done. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Wow, my grace is sufficient. As I was really digging into that thought that my grace was sufficient, God led me in my study to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. I want to read this, I want to read this verse to you, and then I want to tell you a story about what God did in my life last week. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you're in the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. I mean, talk about the grace of God being sufficient. Whatever you got going on, the grace of God is good enough. It's good enough to get the job done in your life right here, right now, no matter what you're facing. So I'm all pumped up reading that, and I go to check my email, and I get an email from somebody. They sit right up in the mezzanine usually when they're here at church. I said, hey, my dad died. I was wondering if we could talk. So I give him a call. Say, hey, why don't I come over to your house tomorrow? So the next day, it was a Wednesday. The next day was on a Thursday. I went out to Ceres. They live in a ranch. Their whole family kind of lives on this ranch together. I'm spending time with them. Man, they're grieving. They just lost their dad. I said, Pastor Joel, we were wondering, when you do the, uh, when you do the memorial this Saturday, will you share Isaiah 43, verse 2, please? I said, really? Isn't that interesting? I said, yeah, it's just been really encouraging to us because this is really hard right now. But we were wondering if you could share that verse. I said, well, I want to encourage you with something. Yesterday, I was studying for the message I'm giving you right now. And I said, you know what? That's the verse that God led me to, to look at. And I had no idea. 24 hours later, I'd be sitting in your house and you're asking me, hey, could you share that? I don't know if you've noticed. There's a lot of verses in here. Maybe you've noticed. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe you've seen that. Maybe... And here, that one verse, the same one that God led me, that really encouraged me, you're now asking if I could share it on behalf of your family. I'd be honored to do that. And may you be encouraged that God was preparing me to serve your family, and God knows what you're going through right now. And it's tough, and it's really hard, but God is with you, and his grace is sufficient. And maybe the fact that I've been studying this verse yesterday and didn't know I was gonna be with you, maybe that'll be an encouragement to you that God knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. It says, weakness my power is made perfect in weakness. In Romans 5, 6, it says, when we were weak, Christ died for the ungodly. In our greatest place of weakness, the great strength and power of Jesus Christ comes into our greatest strength of weakness, and the grace of God is sufficient. In Isaiah, it says that when he does that, he gives power to the faint. Those who have no might, he increases strength. It reminds me, there's a woman in our church who started an organization called the Chemo Crew because she went through cancer, and the great help that she received from the people around her and the hope in Jesus Christ, she wanted to be able to offer that to others. This is a picture of the chemo kits that are put together, that our church puts together and helps with, that we can distribute to those who are going through chemotherapy. When someone's going through chemotherapy, it's really easy to see how their body is taken to a great place of weakness. And God is saying, when you are in that place of weakness, my power shows up, and it's made perfect in your place of weakness. And when God's power shows up, man, in the the passage it says, you'll run and not be weary. Wouldn't that be nice? 
You'll run and not be weary. It reminds me of when we do kicks for kids and you put, you know, they give these kids these brand new shoes, they put them on and the first thing a kid does when they put on a new pair of shoes, they go run around in a circle. It's like the shoes have battery powered in them, right? They just, it's like they got all this energy and they go run around in a circle. And God is saying, when my grace comes into your life, it's going to help you. You're gonna have what you need. You're gonna, ha- you're gonna run and not be weary because of my power. That's why when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The grace of God is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our place of weakness. I wanna tell you a story. It was about six months ago on one of my Monday morning email update videos that I sent. Um, I told this story about a, a person who contacted the church. They had just lost their job. They had just contracted COVID-19. They had just found out that they were pregnant and they were calling the church because they were considering options for abortion. And our teammate met with them, talked with them, encouraged them in the Lord. You know, there are no surprises to God. God knows what's going on. God sees the whole picture. God understands what's going on in your life right now. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for this baby and to encourage them in, in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I share that story with you right now because it was a couple weeks ago, right after the sermon, I went out to the Welcome Center and a woman came up to me and said, hey, do you remember telling a story about you know, this and what I just shared? I was like, wow, back in like February? She goes, yeah. She said, I'm that woman. And I wanna introduce you to my baby. She was born five weeks ago on a Sunday and we have been in church every Sunday since this baby was born. And in that moment, right out there in front of the Welcome Center, I dropped right down to my knees and I started praising God and thanking God. I'm literally seeing the grace of God sufficient right in front of my eyes. His power made perfect in weakness to rescue a mom and to rescue a child. And I was overwhelmed with gratitude for what God was doing and that he would give me the gift to see it right in front of my eyes. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. You may have some tough stuff going on right now. God's grace is good enough. You may be in a place of weakness. God's power is perfect for you. God is amazing. His grace is amazing. It's why the encouragement in Ephesians chapter five is that we wouldn't go back to sin, but we'd be filled with the spirit. It says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. And being drunk with wine is one thing that is in a category of things called debauchery. And being, living in debauchery is living out of control. That's the point, is that you'd be living out of control. And don't live out of control and don't live after sin, but be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. In Ephesians, it says that the spirit of God is the seal on our life, and it's borrowing from the term of a king. A king would have a ring, and the ring would have the symbol of the king on it, and the the symbol of the king would be the authority and the power and the ownership of the king. So like the seal of the king would be the authority and the power that would go with that seal. This right here is is, uh, my ring. I wore this ring for over 20 years. My father gave it to me. What's on the front here is my family coat of arms. And I gave this ring to my oldest son. He's in college, so I asked him this week, hey, take it off your college hands, take a photo of it, because I want to share it with our church family. That ring, that's coat of arms, that represents, hey, you're part of this family, right? 
That's what that coat of arms, it represents Boone. That's the Boone family coat of arms. Well, what God is saying when he says the Holy Spirit is the seal, he's saying, I have sealed you, I own you, I've marked you, you're mine. I claim you, you're in my family, I've placed my seal on you, the Holy Spirit of God is in you, you belong to me, you're mine. And all of the authority of God is in the seal of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So, way number one, repent of our sin. I want to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, increase my influence for Jesus Christ. Way number one is repent of my sin. Way number two is to surrender to God's will. In verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. He says, I am what I am. It reminds me of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. I think this is Paul's version of that prayer. He's just saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, God, whatever your grace wants to get done in my life, that's good enough. And I'm gonna submit to it. I'm gonna surrender to it. We've got a woman in our church who leads an organization, the chapter called Moms in Prayer. They pray for schools. It's just moms praying for schools in Modesto, going, God, what do you want for this school? And they're praying for the kids. God, God, what do you want for the kids? There's also a student version called Claim Your Campus. It's just students praying, God, what do you want for our campus? God, what do you want for my life? I think this is Paul's version of that. Not my will, but yours be done. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. And his, his grace towards me was not in vain. Romans, it says, which should we continue in sin so that grace would abound? By no means. Let's not just keep going after sin. You know, it says the spirit of life has set us free in Jesus Christ. You know, we're no, we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin and death. We've been set free. And so let's not go after and be enslaved again. Let's live as, as people who are free. Free in Jesus Christ. You know, Proverbs is pretty gruesome. It has some strong language. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, it describes when a person goes back to their sin. It says, like a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. That's disgusting. I don't like vomit when it comes out of humans or animals. It's gross. And that's the point. It's gross to go back to sin. It's gross to follow after it. It's gross to go after that. Be filled with the Spirit instead. Walk in the power of God instead. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able. You may be here and going, well, I don't think I can get it done. You're right. God is able. I don't think I have what it takes. You're right. God is able. God is able to make you abound. He's able to make his grace abound to you, so that you may abound. It is God who does it. It is God who does it. God's the one who does it. God's the one who gets it done. You know, Philip, he writes to the church in Philippi, and Paul says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. My wife and I had an incredible visual of this. Uh, Big Valley Grace Community Church, for many years now, has participated in what's called comfort kits. Comfort kits are backpacks full of stuff to comfort a child who has just been removed from their family and placed in the California welfare system. I've had five children come into my home through the California welfare system. When those children came into my home, they were holding a comfort kit. And when my wife and I saw that, 
that you, the family of God, had put together comfort kits to give to these kids who are having the worst day of their life, and we saw them holding the comfort kit. It was a sign. God's already been at work in these kids' lives. You see that comfort kit? God's our, our church family has already loved on these children. They're holding a comfort kit. What a symbol and a sign. God is already at work in these kids' lives, and guess what we've had the privilege of doing? All these kids, these five kids, they've all been adopted by the grace of God into our home. We've been able to watch the grace of God at work because God is completing the good work that he started, and our first sign of it in these kids was a comfort, a little backpack and a little stuffy and a flashlight. Wow, God's at work. So cool. So cool. God's gonna get it done. Way number two is to surrender to God's will and trust that he's gonna get it done in your life. And his best plan is your best plan. Way number three, live in his presence. We see this in the life of Jesus. In Matthew, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. In Mark, it says the Spirit drove Jesus. In Luke, it says Jesus was full of the Spirit. And in Luke, Jesus quotes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We see this right in the life of Jesus. In verse 10 here in our text, this is now Paul talking. He says, okay, so he says, you know, God's grace wasn't in vain. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Do you see the structure here? He's like, I have been at it. I have been working hard at it. I have been going for it. I've been going after it, but it wasn't me. But the grace of God that was with me, the grace of God that was with me. I mean, he's just so clearly saying it's not me. It's the grace of God that was with me. It's like John the Baptist. When John the Baptist shows up on the scene, he goes, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Christ. I'm not him, but I can point you to the one who is. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul's saying, it's not me. Have I been working hard? Yeah, but it's not me. It's the grace of God that is in me. Paul writes to the same group of people here and he says, only God gives the growth. Only God. Only God gives the growth. He said, I've built like a master builder, but it's only been according to the grace of God. Paul really understood. Yeah, had he been at it? Yeah, he'd been at it, but it's only because of God. It's only because of God. In Acts, it says that the scripture is titled the word of his grace and that the Holy Spirit in the book of Hebrews is titled the Spirit of His Grace. You think about that. You have the Word of His Grace. You have the Spirit of His Grace. You have the Word of His Grace. You have the Spirit of His Grace. You have everything you need. You got the best of God with you. You've got the Word of His Grace and you've got the Spirit of His Grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, we see the whole person of God in this verse. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, that's the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Do you see it? How beautiful is that? The whole person of God with you. The, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, that's the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. It reminds me, our students went on some outreach. Here's a picture of it. They see some signs in a park that they put up. And they're reaching people for Jesus Christ. You can see the kids, they're way in the background. But they put these signs up and they just want to have conversations with people about Jesus. Think about this. When these students went out on this outreach, they did not go out alone. Because God was with them. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit was with them. They had 
everything they needed. Think about that. Those students had everything they needed because we have the word of his grace, we have the spirit of his grace, and God is gonna get done what God wants to get done. Powerful to think about that, and he can do that in our lives. In Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus says. He says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and that power is gonna cause you to be my witness. You go, I don't think I can be a witness. You can't, but God can. And his power is gonna work through you, and his power is gonna be a witness through you. If you could get it done on your own, it wouldn't be called grace. You may be going, I want that. Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you wanna be led by God, you should let him know. God, lead me, lead me. God, I wanna follow you, help me follow you. God, I wanna, I wanna operate in your power and not my weakness. Let him know, let God know. It's the whole point of the grace stakes. The grace stakes, you know, we're putting these stakes out in front of our home and we're saying, God, we want the grace of God to work in our own life and we want the grace of God to work through our life and God, we're, we know we need it and so we're asking for help. We're asking for you to work, God, work through us. We'll look at one verse here and then our team is gonna come out and they're gonna actually share a song with us. They're gonna bless us through a song to kind of have this verse come alive in our hearts uh, uh, through, through God, through his word, and in the encouragement of music and in media. Micah 6.8. If we were to say, what does it look like to actually do something practical to love our actual neighbor? Look at this verse. He's told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? So, so what, God, what does God want you to do? but to do justice. If you were to do justice, you would love your actual neighbor. And to love kindness. If you were to love kindness, you would love your actual neighbor. And to walk humbly with your God. If you were to walk humbly with your God, you'd love your actual neighbor. And what, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to go do? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Father God, Lord, as the team blesses us through this song right now, would you have this passage come alive? Your word of your grace and spirit of your grace, God, would you, would you encourage us and strengthen us and embolden us in this moment by the power of your word and the power of your spirit, Lord, that we might become more submissive and more surrendered to you living in your presence. And so God, work through our team as they bless us in this moment. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure you were able to recognize all those images were right here from our community, right here in our own, our own community, right here. When we talk about uh, loving your actual neighbor, we got an incredible opportunity that's right here in our town right here. The, there was a sheet on your seat when you came in here on the Modesto campus. You can find all this information online. Yeah, we've, we've invited you under the sales after the gathering, but I wanna point your attention to the top left-hand corner, that box that's orange because I wanna share with you a new effort that we have here called Settled, and it's Afghan Relief. And there's some irony here, and if we can enter into an, in the irony together. We have people flooding out of Modesto into other states, and we have people flooding from Afghanistan into Modesto. We have opportunity right here to love our actual neighbor. And these neighbors who are coming to town, they know no one. They have no church family, they don't have, you know, they don't know they don't have any of relationships. They don't know anyone. And we have the opportunity to do something and to, to outreach to them. 
And so we've put this ministry together called Settled because they're resettling in Modesto. Modesto is a relocation center for these refugees. And there's an invitation I want to invite you into with something very practical, and that is in four ways we're inviting our church family to help this ministry settled, provide a practical item. The first is with new bedding. So the idea of like they sell the bedding in a bag, right, for a full or a twin new bedding because they're coming with nothing. They have nothing. And they need bedding. New uh, pillows, right? Like one you'd want to sleep on, right? A pillow. Because they don't have one. And man, wouldn't it be great if we could help them by like they could have a bedding and pillow? Um, bath towels, like big ones, right? They got nothing. And we could provide some bath towels. New car seats, because they got little people coming too. So new car seats. And car seats have expiration date. You can't just like use them forever, right? Car, they they got to be new ones. So new bedding, um, new pillows, new bath towels, new car seats. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I want to be a part of this. Because what we're going to do is our team is going to take these items and we're going to go do ministry. And we're going to bring these items and we're going to bring the message of hope in Jesus Christ. And if you want to be a part of that, you just bring any of those items to the Modesto Campus Church office Monday through Thursday, 9 to noon, or 1 to 5 p.m. is when the office is open. And you can take these items and you can bring them there. And the reason I'm highlighting this one is this one's new. And man, I'd like to see us uh, making dent in this opportunity to really uh, love our actual neighbor, these neighbors who are coming to town. So I encourage you with that. I'm gonna invite everybody to stand. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read uh, this, this statement of our vision again, and then our team is gonna lead us in a song to, to close our time. So to love your actual neighbor... This means every member of the body of Christ being led by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, evangelizing and discipling our actual neighbors and leading them to do the same. God, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity we have had to gather together to worship Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, it would be our hope that you are honored by what has happened here today, that you would be glorified by what is happening here today in our lives and in us together as a church family. Lord, as we seek to be about your business in the things you've called us to do, God, I pray that you would help us and you would equip us for everything you're calling us to do. Lord, that we might be effective granules of salt being spread out over this whole Central Valley, creating reactions for the glory of God. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said.